Our sponsor today is GLSA. For those non-members who may be dropping in on the call today, GLSA, or Group Legal Services Association, is an affiliate of the American Bar Association, a professional membership group representing the legal services plan industry and provider attorneys. And joining GLSA is just a good way for solos and small firms to increase their business. Check it out at glsaonline.org. My name is Tom Martin, and I'll be your host today. Our teleconference today is how to upgrade your law office for the 21st century. I'm very excited to introduce you to today's guest, who presented a very popular session at this year's GLSA annual conference in Scottsdale. Alexander Pakin is a, is a lawyer based in New York City. He founded his own law office in 2010. It's a general litigation practice focusing on the everyday needs of New York residents and business owners. Alex also has an advanced IT background uh, with expert level computer skills. He has been recognized as a rising star, is an active Rotarian, including assisting them with IT matters, is a board member of a local 501c3, general counsel and board member of LexConnect, and is currently studying for a pilot license. Um, Alex, it's all very impressive and exhausting mm -hmm. for me just to think about all that you do. Um, how do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, pleasure to be here, first of all, but uh, to answer your question, it's a matter of time management and efficiency. It's figuring out how to get everything into your calendar and to avoid all the stuff that takes up time needlessly. Wow. Well, um, and I guess that could be another an entire other show, but it's a pleasure <laughs> to have you on the show uh, today. And how are you doing today? How's the weather in the Empire State? Staying cool? Um, doing good. The weather's actually quite nice here today. Um, which probably is what resulted in the internet going out in uh, the area that I'm sitting in. So uh, all in all, a very nice day. And that's right. Just as a side note, uh, when you called in today, you're, you're calling from a landline, right? The internet went down? Well, I'm calling from my cell phone because all of my landlines are internet-based. So yeah. um, in the office I'm sitting in right now, we have no uh, VoIP phones. We have no internet access. We have no fax machines, everything basically ground to halt, and we had to put in a Wi-Fi hotspot to give ourselves temporary internet. But um, so hopefully the cell phone reception is pretty good. <laughs> well, it sounds good so far. Um, and by the way, speaking of, of Empire State, you actually work in the Empire State Building, isn't that right? That's one of my two offices, one in the Empire State Building and one in Long Island in Hicksville. And... and how cool is that? Do you still think to yourself, like when you walk in, I get to work in the Empire State Building, or is it <laughs> the novelty you know wears off? That novelty wears off the third day when <laughs> you're standing in line to have your photo ID checked to wait for the really horrible, shaky old elevators built a hundred years ago, <laughs> and you're standing in them thinking, I hope it makes it to the 59th floor, okay? And then once you make it to the 59th floor, it looks yeah. inside just like any other office building, you know, unless you're glued to your uh, to the window with your face. You really wouldn't know the difference which building you were in. But uh, it's nice for the clients. They get to have that one-time experience, and it's cool for them. The clients that have to come in for multiple visits end up asking, can I go to your Long Island office? I can just park <laughs> in the parking lot and walk right in the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you for making time for us this morning um, or afternoon. Um, I've heard such great things about you and uh, looking forward to learning more. So. Um, I guess let's start at the beginning. You know, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, where did you grow up? Well, I was born in the Soviet Union, and in 1989, my family immigrated to the United States via Italy. Started my first business in Italy. I started my own little car wash on the side of a little bar slash bistro at a service station. And uh, so at nine years old, I already had a very lucrative business. Um, settled down in New York after we got here. Moved out to Long Island. Uh, my parents bought a house there back in 93, finished up school there, um, ran a couple of IT companies during my last few years of school, did a lot of IT work for the school district, set up a couple of computer labs for them, um, then went on to get a computer science degree. During that time, I worked for Pennzoil Quaker State doing, uh, well, started out at a Jiffy Lube, ultimately ended up being regional trainer of, uh, the, dis of, of uh, the Long Island region. Um, then. Uh, Went on to law school. As I got out of law school, the real estate market was collapsing. Well, actually, no. First, I started an IT company trying to cater to, to doctors and lawyers. 
who I discovered were very, very difficult to drag into modern technology. Um, So that's when the real estate market collapsed, and I started a financial consulting company that did mostly loan modifications and short sales. Um, A little bit after that, I decided uh, to go actually practice law in the real estate and finance world. So I started out as an associate a couple of years in by 2010. No, no, sorry, right around 2010, I started my own law firm. 2012, I really went to it full time and gave up the associate job. And uh, since then, I've merged with a couple of other lawyers, formed a partnership, um, separated from that partnership, went back to running a solo practice. And now I'm very comfortably running a boutique firm doing uh, real estate and commercial litigation, general counsel and transactional work, and IT consulting to other law firms for uh, basically their needs in getting into the 21st century. All right. Well, just for example, like what did you want to do when you were a kid? I mean, some people that I've talked to, they the they had it in their head when when they were a kid that they wanted to be a lawyer. Is this is that something that you were interested in when you were younger, or what what were you interested in doing? Well, there was really two things I always wanted to do. One was computers. Ever since I got my first computer back in 1993, um, I and what what kind of computer was that? Oh, it was a uh, 486 25 megahertz compact, which was the top of the line machine of the day. It had four megabytes of RAM and 120 megabyte hard drive. Um, Basically, it would just barely be good enough to run a toaster by today's standards. Um, (laughs) But at the time, it was the greatest thing ever. I took it apart. I rebuilt it. I bought different components for it. I mean, it was my hot rod for at least two years until I moved on to the next one. But um, Computers were always a passion for me. Technology is always a passion. I love the idea of automating something to take care of a repetitive task so that I never have to deal with it again. Um, So that, that, I always knew I wanted to do something with computers. And at the same time, ever since high school mock trial, um, credit to the New York State Bar Association for that excellent program. Uh, But since high school mock trial, I always also knew that I wanted to be in law, possibly even in government one day. Okay. So then when you went to law school, were you already looking at ways of uh, bringing technology into that to make it easier, or, or uh, was this something that came up later after you graduated you know, I was actually, I was actually on a more direct path than that even. When I went into law school, I already had my computer information systems degree from Stony Brook, and I fully expected that I would end up in intellectual property law, doing something like patents um, of complex computer algorithms. And during law school, that dream basically disappeared on me because the more I, uh, the more I worked with patent law and the intellectual property in general, the more I found it mind-numbingly boring. And um, I realized that I'd be much better off doing litigation and complex transactions where I could really get into the meat of things. And that I'd be more interested in automating those processes and basically fine-tuning a perfect law firm and then maybe consulting to other law firms and doing the same. So what's, what's like one of the first examples of, of you doing that, of, of you like bringing some automation and technology into the practice of law? Um, well, I mean, it, it starts as simply as when I first got my associate gig and I walked into the law firm and I saw everybody working with a single 15-inch monitor. And I looked at my boss and I said, look, if you want me to be productive, this isn't going to work for me. I, I want to have at least two or three monitors so I can have a whole bunch of documents open on the screen at once. Um, she agreed to that. Um, then I pointed out that I'm working on 100 plus um, foreclosure matters and they're all in filing cabinets and the paper's getting ridiculous. Could I please have some server space and start digitizing everything? And she agreed to that. And so I scanned in all my files. Basically, by the time I left that office, the loan modification, short sale, and foreclosure department yeah. was com- completely electronic, accessible remotely. All the documents were digital. I can pull them up on my phone when I went to court and display a document that I didn't happen to have printed for the court or for my own reference. And uh, those baby steps were fairly simple from my point of view to accomplish, but at the same time, from a law firm point of view, it was like pulling teeth. Well, 
I, I'm pretty sure that they're they feel fortunate to have, to have hired you and and to uh, have gotten that put together. I'm sure it's made it more efficient after that. I mean, I would hope so. The associate that I trained to take over for me when I left certainly appreciated the organization of all the files and everything being a click away. Well, great. And that leads into exactly what we're talking about today is uh, law practice management and what it can do for um, for an average law office and take them up to the next level, upgrade them for the 21st century. I think the first thing probably a lot of us need to know is if you could just give us a working definition of, you know, what what is law practice management? Well, law practice management, at least as far as the software goes, is a single system, usually nowadays web-based, but you can get desktop software as well. Uh, but it's basically a system that collects all of your practice elements and runs them for you. So from lead management to intake to clients and task management, assigning tasks to your paralegal, your associate, even to yourself, most importantly to yourself, so you remember to do them, um, managing when those tasks get done, putting in time, billing for time, exporting that data into your um, accounting system like QuickBooks, and um, obviously sending out the bills and allowing for a built-in payment system so that the entire practice can be run from one set of software where your notes are, your documents are, your billing is, your contact information is. Essentially, with this one screen, you can manage everything you need to in running your practice short of human resources. Wow. So like the virtualization of your entire business as, as a lawyer. Essentially, yes. There's no reason to be bound to one desk. You can go to any desk with internet and be at your office. Very cool. Um, and feel free throughout this, if there's any tools that, um, that, that you would recommend, uh, I'm sure the listeners would be interested in knowing which ones uh, they could use to their advantage. Okay, so we, we, we go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to suggest there are a, a lot of different competing brands out there. I don't want to come off as endorsing any particular product, and there are different products that are particularly useful for different practice types. So a personal injury firm might have might find it more convenient to use one brand over another just because of how they lay out the data, whereas a real estate transactional firm might find a totally different competitor, much more convenient to use. So um, there are two things to consider. One is integrations, basically how much it can do and how much it can integrate with other third-party applications that can integrate you further and do even more for you. That's element one. And two is just try the 30-day free trials from a couple of brands. See, you know, even if you only try them for half an hour, nobody says waste 30 days on them. You know, go online, register for the free trial, open up the thing, see how it's laid out register for another free trial, see how that one's laid out. Basically, once you've identified the um, practice management software that has the integrations you're looking for, which I think we're going to discuss a little bit later into this call, but um, once you've identified what integrations you want and what features are most important to you, then you'll be left with two or three maybe that, that apply to you. And then you just try them out and see which ones you like best. I personally use Clio. Um, the reason I use Clio is I think it's very universally convenient and well laid out. It has, as far as I can tell, more integrations with third-party applications than any other provider, at least any that I've encountered. Um, and they have an incredibly agile and responsive support team. If you need a feature, you call them or email them, and they'll add that feature as soon as possible. If you need help with anything, they're there. And most importantly, they run a conference every year where all the developers attend so if you really want some set of features or if you find some way they're doing things irritating and you want it laid out differently, you can grab one of them by the scruff, drag them to the nearest laptop and say, add this for me. And yeah. they'll generally do it right there on the spot for you, which is really amazing for a software company. Okay, l let me ask you this question because you and I are both, you know, kind of techies. And so we have a bias about this stuff and wanting to incorporate it. And it's all great. And but I, but I know that a lot of people that might come to listen to this uh, presentation, they might be asking themselves, you know, you mentioned pretty much everything in my office, and then I have to move it over to some online system, and, you know, I have a 
paper-based version of this that's working just fine right now, it sounds like this would take hours and hours and hours of time and then having to retrain everybody to get to use it, get used to using it. You know, wh why do I need this? Why do I need a law practice management system? There's so many different answers to that. Um, I'll start with the most appealing one for, to the listeners from a business owner point of view, which is you'll get paid better and you'll get paid faster. But that is by no means the best reason to use it. It's just the one that sells best. Um, what I mean by that is automated billing and automated credit card acceptance through links that come up in people's emails that say your monthly invoice is here, click now to pay, your credit card stored on file, would you like to use it? Yes. And boom, you get an email that says invoice 3295 has been paid. That in itself just eliminates so much headache. And I, I in my own practice, have noticed substantial increases in both amount of payment and the speed in which payment arrives. Um, basically, clients love the idea to pay by credit card, and nowadays, everybody will tap pay now on their phone when it arrives if it's convenient enough to use. Whereas mailing a check based on a paper bill, you'll be waiting a month or two for that if they remember to send it at all. But as far as other, practice, other really good and better reasons to use practice management, quite frankly, from my point of view at this point, it's practically malpractice not to. Um, realistically. Well, if you run a law office in the 21st century and you go away for a week and you don't have access to your files and a client calls with something urgent, that's just irresponsible. The technology is there and it's commonly enough used that if you're the lawyer that's dragging behind and saying, I'm only available nine to five, okay, and what happens when there's a flood or a fire and the papers get damaged? Um, what happens if your car breaks down and you can't make it to the office? What happens if you just quite frankly want to work from home one day? The idea of having your entire system available from anywhere is both a convenience and almost a necessity. I have clients call me all the time when I'm in court or just walking out of a meeting, a deposition or whatnot, and they're asking me questions and they're not going to want to hear, I'm not in the office right now, I'll get back to you in three hours with whatever that piece of information is. They want to hear, hold on a second, let me pull that up on my phone, give you the answer now, and we can both go about our day. Um, it makes the client happy. It makes them feel like you're more responsive and more aware of what's going on with their case. And it basically makes sure nothing ever goes wrong, because as long as you've got your tasks listed in there, it'll supervise your statutes of limitations, it'll supervise your filing deadlines, and now you've got one screen where you can open it up. You know, I have over 100 active cases right now, and I'm a solo practitioner. If I'm supposed to have a sheet of paper or a spreadsheet with all the deadlines on everything that's happening, I'll go mad. Um, instead, I have an automated system where every morning I open up a screen and it says, these are your tasks for the, today. This is what would be filed. This is what you have scheduled to be drafted. These are the phone calls you have to make. These are the things you have to follow up on. And I can do that from anywhere on almost any device and not worry about what happens if my office goes boom. Mm -hmm. Maybe All right, more of a so concern you got for me in the Empire State Building, but at the same time, you know, a catastrophe can happen anywhere, and part of disaster planning is being is having that protection to not be limited to one location. But realistically, it's just centralized everything for ease of use. The time you're going to waste or spend, really, in digitizing and converting will yeah. more than be made up for in not having to dig through filing cabinets, not to mention the rent savings of getting rid of all that square footage of filing cabinet space. All right. So... I'm sold. Law practice management, it's going to save me save me money, it's going to make me more money, it's going to make me more reliable to my clients, accessible. So what should it do? Like what what should a law practice management do? What are some of the categories of things it should handle? Well, the basics of what they're all going to do is they're going to maintain your contacts, which ideally will synchronize automatically with whatever other contact management system you use. Now, what do I mean by that? Most people, statistically, I'm going to say, are going to be using either a Gmail-based system or a Microsoft-based system or a couple of others. But the point is they all run on standardized platforms and they all have a calendar, a contact management, and an email management system. So what you're going to want is a practice management system that's compatible with that. If you're doing everything on a Google-based platform for emails, let's say Clio, for example, will integrate with that. So if you add a calendar item or a contact um, entry or edit a contact entry in one, 
it automatically synchronizes with the other. So when you open up your phone and you want to dial someone, that client that your paralegal just entered into the system in the office is already in your contact list. So that's basic contact management. From there, obviously, they're all going to do matter management. So you want a system that's going to organize the matters in a way that basically you find convenient and comfortable for use. Clio offers a few different ways of organizing, numbering, and sorting matters. Um, most uh, practice management systems offer a couple of different ways. You just have to make sure you're comfortable with the ones that that system has. Then the next thing is going to be task management. So tasks should be assignable to matters. There should Alex, also can be I, a, oh, I'm sorry, can I stop you for a second? So, so like for, for matter manage, management, um, you know, let, let's say, uh, you know, I do uh, workers' compensation. So I need to customize to me, or someone else does criminal law, so they have different types of things that go into the matter management that they would need. You know, do you, are there like different systems or different products for each of those practice well, areas, or do you, can you customize yes no. one? Or? Yes and no. There are very customized solutions for very specific practice needs. For example, for bankruptcy, there's a filing system that takes care of everything start to finish called Next Chapter. And that actually integrates with Clio, for example. So you can have Clio run your overall practice. And whenever you have a bankruptcy, you just export the matter into um, Next Chapter. Populate, it populates all the data there. You complete all the bankruptcy information there. You add all the documents there. It creates the petition. The client comes in and signs it. It e-files the petition. It pays the fees with your credit card, of course. And um, it charges you on a per-use basis unless you sign up for the big monthly subscription. So for certain practices, there's basically add-ons that you want to use just for those particular types of tasks. But for the most part, the idea of a practice management system should be fairly flexible. So what you can do in most of them, take Leo again, for example, is set up a task list or a set of tasks. So, for example, I do real estate transactions. There are a number of things that have to happen generally in order before a real estate transaction closes. So I'll mm -hmm. set up an automated task list, and whenever my paralegal creates a real estate transaction, it gets added on, which basically says, you know, first coordinate contract, then order title, then review title, then this, then that, then the other thing. And those tasks will auto-generate into the matter, and they can be set to time against each other, meaning task number two doesn't start doesn't even get assigned to anybody but sits in limbo until task number one gets complete. Once task number one is complete, task number two is automatically assigned to my paralegal and it's, he's given, let's say, three days to complete it. So now it automatically gives itself a deadline. Once he clicks complete on that task, the next task appears and so on. So it can basically shepherd all of your deals to make sure that they don't end up sitting in a corner because somebody forgot that they were supposed to order something or review something or do something. And can can you create a template of those tasks so you can duplicate them like on a new matter so you don't have to redo it every single time? Well, that's precisely it. That's that's what the task lists are, as opposed to creating individual tasks where I can say to my paralegal, you know, I need you to call Joe Schmo and follow up on him sending us back to whatever. Um, if I'm creating a real estate matter or if at any point in the process, once I already have a matter created, I want to assign it a task list, then I just assign a task list from a drop down of lists that I create. So I can have, you know, real estate transaction seller side tasks apply and boom, now it's a real, you know, now all those tasks are there. So yes, you can, you can create your own templates and sets of tasks and make them as complex as you want. That basically, if you can plan out in detail how a particular matter is going to go, you can make all the tasks start to finish and populate them in an automated list that you can then reuse on the next similar matter. Okay. So you mentioned, um, Contacts, contact management, matter management, task management. What are what right. other uh, features should a law practice management system have? Well, just to finish on task management, there's a couple of important features in task management that users should watch out for. Um, okay. There was one feature that Clio was missing for the longest time, and I find that a lot of uh, systems are still missing it, which is notification when a task is complete. Um, it drove me nuts for the longest time until I cornered a Clio person at a conference and made them add it. But um, what you want to make sure is that whatever task management system your practice management system uses actually lets the assignor know when an assignee completed the task. And why is because, that important? Well, if I assign something to my paralegal in a case and he got it done, 
presumably I need to do something next. I need to either assign them the next task or I need to do something, or maybe I just need to call the client and tell them congratulations we won. But someone's got to do something once something is done, even if it's just, okay, close the file, everything's done. But the lawyer needs to make that executive decision. You can't leave that up to the assignee. So um, basically you want to make sure that whatever practice management system you're using is very good at notifying the assignee that they got a task and the assignor whenever a task is either completed or more importantly, overdue. What if they didn't complete a task and now you've got no notification of anything and you don't know if it's done or not? That's a problem. So, yeah. um, so task management, really, you have to make sure that it works the way you need it to to make sure you manage your firm. Now, as far as other things that practice management does, next one in order of, I guess, process would be time entry. You want a system, obviously, that will accept time entry for all of your staff, have flexibility as to hourly rates, allow you to do flat fees, contingencies, et cetera, depending on how your practice operates. Ideally, have a flexible enough uh, billing system that you can set up some custom, um, custom default, so to speak, so you don't have to every time say, you know, my firm does real estate transactions for the purchaser, last fee 1500 You can just select real estate transaction purchaser, and it'll populate that by default for you. You can edit it, but you want to be able to save any data entry time you can by having something that integrates and automates all that. From there, the most important part about time entry systems is that they actually be available to you at all times. I am not a fan of any practice management system that doesn't have a smartphone element or a tablet element. Um, it is absolutely crucial that you be able to enter your time on the go. I am constantly taking client phone calls, opposing counsel phone calls, whatever, on the fly. And if I happen to be in China at the time and I just spoke to an opposing counsel for an hour, by the time I get back to my laptop in the hotel room later in the day, I'm not going to remember to bill them an hour. And that's money out of my pocket. That's money that basically statistically paper-based firms leave as much as 30% of billable revenue on the table just by not recording all the little things as they happen. By having that smartphone element where I can just open up my Clio app, press the little plus button and add time, select the client, the app already knows what the billable rate for that client is, I can have descriptions even pre-typed in that I can select from a drop-down menu so I don't have to type out call with opposing counsel. I can just select call with opposing counsel, 1.2 hours, save, I'm done. Now, at the end of the month, the bill will generate itself and have all that on it, um, which takes us to the next feature of practice management, billing. Time entry is great, but billing is also equally important. And uh, I guess let me jump back for a second. Along with time entry, expense entries are critically important because those are even more important to have available on a smartphone on the go. When I'm in New York City and I drive to the court and along the way I paid a toll, a parking charge, and whatever other fee, I'm not gonna remember those charges when I get back to the office. But while I'm standing there at the garage waiting for my car after I just paid $42 to park for an hour, that's a really good time when I'm irritated by the fact that I just paid $42 to park for an hour, that I can open up an app and pass that expense on to the client. No sense, he shouldn't be irritated. Um, so expense tracking, really important, especially on the go. And again, that takes us to billing now. Now, obviously every system is going to generate a bill. From there, the question becomes, what does it do with it? Um, ideally, you want a system that will send out the bills by email. You want a system, if you mail out your bills, that possibly integrates with a third-party provider, where it literally sends out all the bills to a printing company somewhere in the Midwest where the printing costs are very cheap and an automated system will print all your bills, shove them into envelopes, stamp them, seal them, address them, and send them on their way. Additionally, you want your bills to, the ones that arrive electronically, to have a way to pay online. So you want credit card integration, and you want integration with every other billing system your clients could conceivably use as links in that payment email. So if you want to pay me by PayPal, click here. If you want to use Apple Pay, click here. If you want to use Bitcoin, click here. Um, there's no reason a law firm shouldn't be able to accept every form of electronic payment known to man. Um, Alex, let me just, let me ask you a quick a quick question about about payment there. Y you know, I I remember when starting out my own firm that it was a nightmare. You know, like trying to get credit card payments, you had to sign up for some type of like authorized.net account, and they needed all like a crazy amount of documentation, and then getting it actually to 
to work online was very difficult. I mean, is that what people have to go through to get this thing set up, or how difficult or easy is it? People who go for old-school credit card processing machines have to deal with all kinds of nonsense. Um, at this point, if you're not integrated and you don't have practice management software, at the very least, your firm should have Square because Square costs absolutely nothing. They only charge you a percentage of the actual transaction. They give you a little card reader that you can plug into the headphone jack of your cell phone, and now they have ones for the Apple phones that don't have headphone jacks that are Bluetooth or something. I'm not sure. I avoid Apple these days like the plague. But um, the um, – the idea is you want to have a credit card processing system that's online based and when you're when where you're not the final merchant so to speak. Basically Square takes care of everything for you. You get the little card reader and you scan the card, they deposit the money into your account within 24 hours. Uh but they don't really Square doesn't integrate with any practice management system that I've seen. Um for lawyers, I wouldn't really recommend using Square unless again you're completely on paper and that's going to be your first step towards discovering technology. Um, for lawyers, I would seriously recommend LawPay. LawPay is the endorsed provider by pretty much every bar association that's endorsed anybody. And the beauty with LawPay is that they're specifically built for lawyers, which means you can accept credit card payments into the escrow account, into the trust account. So when you receive payment, you can receive it into operating for a bill that's already paid, or you can receive it into trust in which case the credit card charges will be charged to your operating account if you designate them that way. Uh, because in a lot of states, you can't have the credit card fees be applied to the um, escrow deposit. So they are the only vendor that I'm aware of that fully conforms with all those rules for all the states. And they also integrate with pretty much every practice management system because again, when the practice management systems went out there, who are they gonna pick to do credit cards with? Obviously the company that's already doing it right. So whether you go with Clio or One Case or Case One or whatever it's called or any number of others, uh, Practice Panther, they're all going to have LawPay integration. That's absolutely critical. The LawPay integration through a practice management system gets rid of having all that nonsense merchant agreement stuff. You don't have to have site visits. Everything's taken care of through the LawPay end. Your you you literally just sign up online, press the integrate with Clio button. Three screens later, you're able to send invoices out in Clio or in whatever that will have a button that says, if you want to pay by credit card, click here. And you'll also be able to add a link on your website that says, if you'd like to pay your bill or put money into escrow, click here. The disadvantage of having it on your website is it doesn't automatically link to the invoice because then the client's just saying, you know, I'm just, you know, they're filling out a form and sending you money. You get notification of it and then you have to apply it to the right invoice. The beauty of having it built into the invoice is that when they pay it, not only are you getting the money automatically into your bank account, but your practice management system just recorded that bill is paid. It's updated your financial records. You're now able to see on your performance metrics screens um, exactly how you're doing, how many of your bills have been paid versus how many are outstanding. You can have a good um, past due list. Everything keeps track of itself. All right. Well, it sounds like it's a lot easier uh, nowadays. Um, and how about integrating into your office suite. Should a law practice management system do that as well? Absolutely. Um, lots of different ways. One um, element of integrating into the office suite, I guess first we should talk about data integration for a second. Um, what your office suite should ideally do is integrate with a Dropbox or a Microsoft SkyDrive or whatever cloud you want to use, but it should integrate into a cloud so that you have a third-party off-site data backup provided by a cloud service which syncs your data to your local computers. Now, the syncing of the data with the local computers is really, really an important part. You don't want your files only in the cloud. If your internet goes down and you don't have a local copy of all of your documents, uh, you're out of luck. Now, what I encourage is a practice management system that integrates with, say, Dropbox. Every PC locally synchronizing whatever documents from that Dropbox folder that might be useful in the event of an internet outage. So basically all the case files. Um, that way you have Clio managing the files, but you have direct access to them right in Windows Explorer without having to go online. Now from there, as far as integration with the Office system, ideally 
you have all of the Word documents and other editable files opened either through your practice management system or through like a Microsoft Online where your office doesn't open up what I like to call an open copy of the file, where if you open up that file and I open up that file simultaneously and we're both making edits to it, when we both hit save, what's going to happen is Dropbox is going to leave us two files in the directory. One is going to be with the original name and one is going to say conflicted copy. And then somebody has to figure out what conflicted about them. So if you're using a Microsoft Online or if you're editing the document directly from your Quido website tab, the document may be in Dropbox, but now you're editing a live document. That means that document gets locked. And when you click to open it and I click to open it, it'll alert me that the document is locked for editing because you're editing it and then we can coordinate. Alternatively, and this is something that's really high tech, get off of traditional documents altogether and switch to either Google Docs or fully Microsoft Office Online, in which case you and I can both open the document at the same time. I'll see your cursor, you'll see mine, and we'll both be able to type into it at the same time. That's a pretty advanced step. I don't recommend live editing by multiple people on documents until they're really comfortable with more basic technology, just because you can end up, you know, two lawyers could end up editing the same document and making the same arguments in two different spots, and now you end up with something completely unreadable. Um, so that's that's as far as office integration should go. It should really just be able to open files from your practice management systems, and you should be able to have local copies so that you can edit them with your office suite locally. Okay. And you had mentioned a paperless office before and how it was critical to making all of this work. How does that play into a law practice management system? Um, well, the law practice management system can only manage the, system, the things you put into it. So if you're not willing to digitize your office, your practice management system is going to be very limited. At the very least, it won't do any document management for you. And to me, document management is probably the first and most important step in running a 21st century office. If I can't pull up any given document for any one of my clients from anywhere I happen to be at any time, then I'm really not employing 21st century technology properly. So Everything should be on Dropbox or on some other comparable cloud. And the first step to that, if you still have a bunch of filing cabinets, is to start taking everything out of the filing cabinets and feeding it into a scanner. Um, I don't recommend using the scanner on top of a multifunction printer for large jobs. It's great for scanning in two or three pages, maybe as many as 10 or 12. But at this point, every law office that has any substantial amount of paper going in should have something like a Fujitsu scan snap a high-speed scanner that can do 40 pages per minute, double-sided, that you basically drop a document in, and it comes out as an OCR PDF, meaning optically character recognized. And um, that means that now, as soon as it lands in your Dropbox, if you want to go into just basic Windows Explorer and then top right, type in any keywords that might exist in that document, it'll index them and search them for you. So now, Basically, once all of your documents are digitized and you've got everything in Dropbox, even though they're PDFs and not Word documents even, you can open up Windows Explorer and when you say, oh, I need a motion to dismiss for failure to include a necessary party. Great. Literally type that into the top right in Windows Explorer. And if you've ever drafted a motion to dismiss for failure to add a necessary party or if you've ever been served with one and if you've scanned it in, it'll appear instantly and there you go. Copy, paste away. and update the facts to reflect today's reality. But um, digitizing is the first step. It's the most important step. It's, for established law firms, the most expensive step. It should probably be done at the same time as upgrading to the practice management system if the firm has neither. If the firm can't do both at the same time just because they're afraid of too much chaos, digitize first. Because once you digitize everything, then you open up a practice management system and you start dropping things in and organizing. If you start a practice management system, but you keep your documents on paper, you're going to have a lot of information available to you remotely. Okay, I have a task that says I need to review this contract here, but where's this contract? Oh, it's back in the office. Well, I'm not in the office right now. That doesn't do me any good. But I might be stuck waiting for a train for an hour, and I could be reading it on my cell phone if only I could tap on Dropbox and open it up. So without digitizing everything, 
you're still in a position where you rely on your physical losses. And that's also a major risk and liability in case something happens to your physical losses. Right. Or in a day like today, uh, speaking of a potential uh, event that could happen or disaster recovery, what do you do to plan for that? How does that become part of the mix of law practice management? Well, a digital office definitely has a different set of uh, emergency preparing priorities. Essentially, I have to accept at any given point, somewhere in the world, the internet might be out, the power might be out, and that place in the world is likely going to be my office. So um, at any given time, you want to have a couple of different things that will allow you to work, A, in the event of long-term internet outage, and B, in the event of long-term power outage. Now, power outage, I really can't you know, recommend anything other than having a generator, battery backups, et cetera. Um, a laptop that's fully charged at all times is also very important. But as far as internet, which becomes more important than a digital office, let's face it, if you don't have power, you're not doing much anywhere because even the paper offices are still inherently reliant on computers. Right. But as far as um, internet goes, there's this thing called a wireless hotspot. You can pick it up from an AT&T store, a Verizon store, or a cell phone carrier of your choice, and you can essentially plug it in and use cell phone-style internet to feed the computers in your office. Is it as fast as a wired hookup? Of course not. Do you want to use it full-time, long-term? No, the costs would be a little too high. The uh, speed would be way too low. But you keep one in the closet, and when the internet goes out, you plug it in, you turn it on, and you tell your router to connect it to that. So simple backups do exist, but also as far as emergency preparedness, you have to be prepared for the idea that your computer could get corrupted Digital data, especially now with the recent worms and whatnot that have been going around, digital data could be corrupted and encrypted, and now suddenly you're stuck paying somebody um, on the internet with bitcoins to decrypt your data, and even then, can you be 100% sure that it won't re-encrypt itself in six months? Because that can happen. Right. Um, so to, to prevent being taken hostage like that, it's very, very important that all your digital data be backed up regularly so that in the event of corruption, you don't deal with some shady character in God only knows where, but instead you go, oh, my data's been corrupted, fine. Delete everything. Let me now plug in this USB hard drive that I keep offline in a separate shelf, unplugged, but that I put my data into every few days. Let me plug that in, drop everything back into Dropbox the way it was a week ago, and now I just have to rebuild the last week, which is basically as close to being protected as you need as you can be, the only way to become more protected than that is to do the backups more and more frequently. So for somebody obsessively neurotic, they could back up every day. Technically, hard drives are fast enough these days, and the technology is there that every day at the end of the day, you can plug in an external hard drive, do a, a, um, an incremental backup of whatever changed during that day, unplug it again, and then walk out the door. Um, certainly not the worst idea in the world. Daily might be a little too burdensome for some firms, just as something to remember, but certainly no, no less than monthly backups are absolutely necessary for any firm, regardless of how digital or not you are. Well, a lot of practice management, I mean, it covers so many different areas, and um, I mean, these are lots of great, great ideas, but where, where, where do you see the future of this going? Do you think it's going to get more sophisticated than what you've described right now, or or, or easier, or what are your thoughts about that, about how the future of this is going? Well, the conversion will never get easier because the problem with the conversion isn't that the new system is difficult. In fact, usually it's that the new system is much simpler and easier to use, but it's the, the, the mental sacrifice in converting. It's the psychological state you need to get to and that work of turning paper into PDFs. That will never really get any easier short of robots riding around and taking over your files for you. Maybe that'll happen eventually, but I can't comment on that kind of AI. Um, what, will what will make law practice easier and easier and more and more automated and give the lawyers who embrace technology a major uh, leg up is the fact that document automation is becoming more and more prevalent and um, artificial intelligence document creation is getting really, really good. So in other words, at this point, I shouldn't have to prepare a will for somebody. I when they ask me for a will, my firm sends them out an automated questionnaire that they can answer, 
And based on their answers, a proposed will will get auto-generated by the document assembly software. I then just have to look at that will, review it, basically based on my conversation with the client, make sure that this reflects their wishes, and I'm done. I don't have to open up a new will file, start with a new template, type in their name, type in where they live, type in any of the information that basically eats up all the time in form preparation. The more and more document preparation will become automated and the more it will self-populate from your main practice management software, the more the practice of law will really just be oversight, making sure that the computer did the document correctly and that there's no new nuances. So lawyers will be doing more research, more analytical thinking, and a lot less drafting. Um, our secretarial element of the job is going to get reduced substantially with every passing year at this point. Well, I know that would be welcome for me. I, I would greatly enjoy being able to do more of the lawyer work and less of the, the administrative stuff. Well, Alex, I, you know, it sounds to me like law practice management is the way to go. Um, personally, I haven't implemented it completely with what I do, and I know that I need to integrate it more into what I do to save time and make more money uh, the way you've described. And um, I understand it's important, and now I understand a little bit better about how to implement it. Um, you know, one question I'd like to ask you, which is completely unrelated to this, and I like to ask everyone that I talk to, um, kind of a question off the beaten path, but um, in terms of like, what's a place that you would love to go uh, that's on your bucket list that you've never visited that you'd like to go to, but haven't yet? Can you tell me a little bit about that, that and why? Um, well, I've got two places in mind. Um, one is Seoul, South Korea, because as a techie, that's just, it sounds like Disneyland to me. From what I hear of the kind of technology they have there and the implementation, especially in the newer construction and the municipal projects, is absolutely amazing. Their cell phone technology, their, just their ability to do 4K video on cell phones in video chats while sitting in the subway is yeah, I, I just want to experience it for myself. And as far as other interests, I'd love to go to Madagascar. Um, I'm a an just an, an extreme fan of Douglas Adams. And in addition to his somewhat humorous books, like The Hitchhiker's Guide, yeah. he wrote um, something called Last Chance to See with a BBC zoologist, Mark Cordine. I can't pronounce his name right. But um, they traveled around the world to various places to look at endangered species. And wrote basically a semi-humorous and semi-sad book about these uh, disappearing species. And something about the way he described their travels in Madagascar just makes me want to go find the lemur for myself. <laughs> All right. Well, let me just check in to see if there's any questions. And um, I don't have any on the sidebar here. All right. Well, while we wait for any, what I wanted to also mention that we didn't get a chance to is yeah. the integrations. Um, that's really the part of your practice management system that's kind of, I think, the most important because most practice management systems will do the same thing, but it's how much can you expand it to do other stuff for you. So I'll give you an example. With Clio, I have one practice management integration, which ties into the company that does my pay-per-click advertising management so that um, any leads that come in through their website automatically populate those contacts in Clio. I get automated tasks to call them and you know, find out if my office can help them and so on. Another integration that I use, for example, is Ruby Receptionists. They, um, much like a couple of their competitors, essentially provide live phone answering service so that law firms never have to have their clients experience either a ringing tone or an automated system. Um, Clio employs happy and chipper sounding people who pick up the phone, find out who's calling and why, very friendly about it, and based on a schedule that you give them, which again, you can update through your smartphone app on the fly, they will either take a message, forward the call to your office, forward the call to your cell, um, do whatever instructions you leave. And you can leave very specific instructions. So if I'm expecting a call from Jane, who's going to want to know the address to where she has to mail a check to opposing counsel, I can literally open up my Ruby app, put in that information into there, and say, when Jane calls, tell her this, and they'll do that for me. 
Or if Steve calls, he really needs to speak to my paralegal, so make sure you transfer him to Jamie and don't bug me. Um, <laughs> or I'm going to be on a teleconference interview for the next hour, hold my calls. Um, and I can do all that using voice to type on my phone in two seconds inside the Ruby app. But the coolest part of it is it all integrates with my Clio. So I can open up my communications tab later in my, in my practice management system and see all the phone calls that came in, what they were about, who they were ultimately sent to, and whether they were resolved. Now, the, the most valuable part of that from a business owner point of view is, again, you might have gotten that phone call from a client while you were waiting for the bus, and you spoke to the client for half an hour, but you know what? You just forgot to open up the Clio app afterwards and bill for it. Well, now you're sitting in the office, you're reviewing your communications for the month, and you're going, oh, I, don't have, you know, I didn't bill for that. That's not attached to the client. And now you can catch those extra lost earnings. On top of that, you now have a full communications log with all of your clients, so you have a record of who called you when. And best of all, if somebody calls and you were talking to them and you got disconnected, something happened, you need to call them back, you now have a log from the receptionist with a name and a caller ID and not just someone called me on my cell and I didn't catch his name and I wrote down his number wrong and now I can't find him. So that's, for example, the phone integration. Um, there's, right. With Clio, for example, there's well over 100 integrations. So you can look to third-party companies that do pretty much whatever your heart desires and tie them into your practice management system. Well, that sounds great. There's a lot of different tools that I know that we all use, and making them talk to each other more efficiently and collaborating with each other would be a really big uh, advantage to have in, uh, in managing one's practice. So that's pretty cool. Um, so just checked again, and unfortunately we don't have any questions, but I do want to thank you, Alex, again for sharing your time and your thoughts today. Not a problem at all. And I will leave one final thought for anybody who might be listening. Invest in monitors. I know it sounds stupid, but invest in monitors. Have at least four regular sized ones on your desk or better yet, spend the $300 and get yourself a 4K TV that's around 40 inches. And all of a sudden you've got four monitors and one on your desk. It looks fairly sleek and cool, but most importantly, you can open up all the different things you're working on. The Word document you're writing, the five PDFs you're looking at that contain opposing counsel's arguments or treatises or whatever, the couple of web browser windows where you're doing your legal research, and your Clio tab where you're doing your billing and note-taking. All open at the same time and not switching from one open window to another, getting yourself confused and wasting lots of time. That is probably the biggest efficiency thing in the world. The more monitors and the bigger monitors, the better. Every pixel counts. <laughs> well, I think now I have the excuse that I need to get a 40-inch monitor. <laughs> you, you definitely do. If anyone tells you you shouldn't, have them call me. <laughs> well, thanks, Alex. And um, thank all of you for attending our teleconference today, How to Upgrade Your Law Office for the 21st Century with Alexander Pakin. Again, this is Tom Martin. I want to again thank GLSA for sponsoring. Remember, joining GLSA is just a good way for solos and small firms to increase their business. And check us out at glsaonline.org. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Tom. Pleasure to be Bye -bye. here. Take care.